0: Welcome to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. It is Q&A Tuesday today, but I think maybe I should have named this one Toddler Tuesday because a lot of questions over the past week or so about toddlers and preschoolers. So I chose the top five questions of the week that were about those age groups just so we could sort of lump them into a bit of a theme this week for those of you who might be struggling with a little bit of a toddler sleep regression or the, those preschooler antics of getting out of their bed constantly or those of you who aren't there yet but know you might be soon and this might be helpful for you. So let's go through those starting I, I organized them youngest to oldest and the first one was about an 18 month old. My child is going through the 18 month sleep progression. What do I do? So I always joke that if I wanted to I could probably if I wanted to choose just one word I could probably answer every question as it relates to infant and toddler sleep with one word and its consistency. If we could only pick just one word that would help with everything related to infant and toddler sleep, consistency. And the 18-month sleep regression or that toddler sleep regression is no different. The tough part is knowing what to be consistent about, but what you really want to do is be consistent about the things that have always worked for your child. When your child is 18 months, 20 months, 24 months, and they're going through what is often referred to as the 18-month sleep regression or the toddler sleep regression, they are going through a lot of changes. Your child is growing up a little bit. They are learning about control and independence. And it's really important that we be consistent with their normal bedtime routines and habits so we help them understand that even though they are changing, Sleep time isn't changing, and our love for them isn't changing, and us being them for, there for them isn't changing, but the way we handle sleep is staying the same too so that's what we really want to do is be consistent with what you've always done. often when we're dealing with an eighteen month sleep regression, we're seeing children yell out when they haven't yelled out before after bedtime. You had previously maybe an infant who was a good sleeper and would go to sleep easily you would just put them in their crib and walk away and they would drift off and now you have an 18 month old who is yelling out for you to come back because they want one more kiss they want one more hug they want one more book they want one more sip of water and parents of 18 month olds or especially when we're getting into that two-year-old point where they're much more vocal you know what i'm talking about these very common stall tactics So what we want to do is make sure that we as parents feel very confident that we have met all of our child's needs before we place them in their bed for bedtime. And then we can be confident in consistently telling them it's time for bed and we've done all the things that need to be done and we're not doing other things. It's time for sleep now. That's how we as parents can feel confident in our responses to those constant demands and requests after bedtime. So Don't make a whole bunch of changes to your bedtime routine all of a sudden to respond to this toddler sleep regression. You know, do your normal bedtime routine. Even consider introducing a bedtime routine chart if you think your child is old enough to understand something like that and illustrate all of the steps of their bedtime routine on that chart and have a little check mark or a sticker each night as you get through each element of the routine so when the routine is done, you and your child can both see that it's finished and we're not doing other things. And then respond to your child in whatever way you have in the past, whenever there's been a little bit of a blip in sleep. If you know that you've met all your child's needs and the only thing left that they need is good, healthy sleep, then really try to avoid giving into all those demands after the lights go out. So one more sip of water, one more book, one more song, that kind of thing. Make sure all of that is done as part of the bedtime routine when the lights are on and help your child to understand that once the lights are out, nothing is happening other than sleep. Be there for them, but be boring and pretty business-like when you go back in to help them understand that part of our bedtime routine is over and now it's time for sleep. Over and over, consistency, that's what's going to help and get you through that 18 month sleep regression. The next question was about a 22-month-old who is suddenly only sleeping 75 to 90 minutes for naps. Help was the was the comment in my DM box. So, 75 to 90 minutes, I mean an hour and a half nap for a 22-month-old is not huge. 75 minutes even less. So, and that child is not even 2 years old yet. So, they still need quite a bit of daytime sleep. I love to see a 22-month-old get two to even three hours of sleep in the day for their nap. So that is a fairly short nap. I wouldn't stress too much about it if it's working for your child. And by working, I mean, if your child will sleep for 90 minutes in the day, but then sleep 12 hours at night, is that the end of the world? Probably not, and most families are going to be just fine with that. But if your 22 month old is only sleeping 75 to 90 minutes for their nap, and then having difficult nights, it may be because their nap is not quite long enough. So we want to explore the reasons the child is suddenly only having short naps. Now, if this child was two and a half, three years old, and all of a sudden starting to have shorter naps, I would say that's pretty normal because he's getting to an age where he's getting ready to drop his nap altogether. But when the child is not even two years old yet and suddenly having shorter naps, there may be something else going on. Part of it may be that toddler sleep progression that we just talked about. So just waking up in a light stage of sleep and deciding, I am done with this nap. I am not going back to sleep even though I'm still tired and then yelling out. So you may want to give your child a little extra time after their nap to see if they will go back to sleep if they've only had a short nap rather than just running straight in the room the moment they make a peep to see if maybe they'll go back to sleep and get that extra rest and get out of the habit of just yelling out the moment they wake up in a light stage of sleep partway through their nap. So that's something to consider. You also want to consider if your child is perhaps getting a little bit overtired. Overtiredness will often cause short naps. And then because the child is having short naps, it becomes a cycle. So you might want to consider an earlier bedtime for this child, depending on what time the child is going to bed. If a 22-month-old is suddenly having only an hour 15, hour and a half nap, if they're going to bed around seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, I would probably consider making that bedtime earlier. The child is probably building up a little bit of a sleep debt and getting overtired. And if we can make up for that and get some extra sleep at night, we may also see longer naps. I know that might sound counterintuitive, but this goes back to the age old saying that you hear all of us sleep consultants say all the time and you read in books and it is sleep begets sleep. So the better rested your child is at night, generally the better they're going to rest in the day and vice versa. So if you feel like your child might be a little overtired, you might want to pull that bedtime a little earlier at night, get them some more overnight rest and combat that sleep debt that they might be building up that might be causing those short naps. The next question was about a 24 month old who is suddenly afraid of the dark. Is a nightlight okay at this point? And I'm guessing the reason this person asked this question is because they're a follower of us on Instagram, and I constantly talk about having a super, super, super dark room for infants for sleep. No distractions totally dark, blackout blinds, blackout curtains, even covering up little lights on things like your sound machine and your video monitor to make sure that it's totally dark and there are no distractions for your infant. However, When a child becomes a toddler, sometimes they will become afraid of the dark. They will develop a fear of the dark. And it really is something that develops and is learned. It's a learned thing, the fear of the dark, that comes in toddlerhood. So don't stress that your six-month-old is afraid of the dark. They aren't. It's a learned thing. But this 24-month-old in this question certainly might have developed a bit of a fear of the dark. So absolutely, I would suggest that a small dim wall nightlight is totally appropriate for a child this age. What I don't recommend is the big glowy stars on the ceiling or a huge nightlight or overhead light right over your child's crib or bed. I do recommend it be fairly dim and not something that's going to be incredibly distracting but something that is going to allow you to say here you go there's no need to be afraid of the dark." There's some light in your room now, so we don't need to worry about that. So we alleviate some of those concerns. So absolutely, a small dim wall nightlight is fine for a toddler. The other thing is at the toddler stage, when your child gets closer to two and a half or three, you might be starting to consider a wake-up clock, something like the hatch or the grow clock, and those both have a built-in nightlight. So if you have one of those, you don't really need an additional nightlight. That could act as a nightlight in itself. The next question as we go through the months and years of these little ones is about a two and a half year old. My two and a half year old naps for about two hours in the day and seems to need it. But when I try to put him in bed, he's awake for over an hour at night. Is it time to cut his nap? This child is only two and a half and he's having a two hour nap. So my recommendation when I get a question like this is not that we automatically go to cutting the child's nap out altogether. Instead, my recommendation is that we limit the nap a little bit more and make sure the child is having an age-appropriate bedtime. So two hours is a pretty long nap for most two and a half to three-year-olds. Usually I see a child at this age, if I see them having a two-hour nap, I do see difficulties with bedtime. So generally the first thing I would do is cap that nap at about an hour and a half. Also, when a child who is about two and a half to three years old is having an hour and a half nap, they usually need a bedtime of quarter to eight, eight o'clock. So it's definitely not surprising to me that this child who's two and a half and napping for two hours is taking more than an hour to fall asleep at bedtime. Really consider at this age that your child might need a little less daytime sleep to put a little more sleep pressure on the night. So hour and a half nap max and then a bedtime of closer to quarter to eight, eight o'clock. As your child gets closer to three, three and a half, you may even need to cap the nap at an hour and still do a bedtime of around quarter to eight, eight o'clock. And then when your child seems really ready to drop the nap, they're not falling asleep for their nap anymore. They're just singing in their crib or their bed for an hour in the middle of the day. They are even with a very short nap of only an hour or so, they are still taking a really long time to fall asleep at night. They're well over the age of three. Those are all signs that then your child is ready to cut the nap altogether. And then you'll just move bedtime a little earlier. We won't have a bedtime of 8 p.m. anymore if the child. Stops napping, we will probably start with a bedtime of 6, 6:30 as the child adjusts to not having a nap anymore. And then gradually, as the child adjusts to not having daytime sleep, we'll move that bedtime to 6:30, 7 o'clock. And the final question for today is about a three and a half-year-old. How to get my three and a half-year-old to sleep independently? I bunched a few of these questions together because I had a whole bunch of questions that were very similar in nature. So how do I get my three and a half year old to sleep independently? How do I get my three-year-old to stay in her bed? I think I had another question in my inbox about this age that said my three-year-old suddenly wants to get in my bed every night and sleep with us. So lots of questions about this age group and this issue of children over the age of three not going to sleep on their own, not staying in their own bed, wanting to come to the parents' bed And some parents love that and some parents are good with that and have no issue with their child coming into their bed, but those aren't the parents who are messaging me on Instagram or emailing me with these concerns. They want their child to sleep independently in their own bed, so that's what we're working on. At this age, the one thing you really have going for you is that your child has finally likely developed some level of reasoning skills. Over the age of three, that's when that starts to happen. Children who are just two, even two and a half, don't generally have any or many strong reasoning skills, but children over the age of three have started to develop those. So this is where we work on reasoning with your child. You may want to consider implementing a wake-up clock, like the grow clock, like the hatch, that shows your child, okay, when the clock is this color, say blue, it's time to be in bed quietly going to sleep. And when the clock is this color, say yellow, it's okay to get up and start our day. And then you think about, if you're comfortable with it, some age-appropriate rewards and consequences. It would be wonderful if three-year-olds just did the things we ask them to do because they love us so much and they wanna make us happy, but that's not really how three-year-olds work. They work based on rewards and consequences. They are motivated by age-appropriate rewards and consequences. So because of that, I generally suggest that my clients who I'm working with who have children around that age are implementing those visual cues like a wake-up clock and then attaching some age-appropriate rewards and consequences to that. So we may say, okay, if you can stay in your bed until the sun comes up on the clock, you're going to get a sticker on a chart. When you get two stickers, you're going to get a, and then we pick with the child what a is. And it needs to be something that he can get immediately when he earns that second sticker, when he slept through the night two nights in a row or just two nights in general. Maybe he sleeps through the night one night and then he has a tough couple of nights so he doesn't get a sticker those nights, but then he has another good night. Oh, he's got his two stickers. Let's put that second sticker on your chart and now let's get that thing that we promised because you fulfilled your end of the bargain and got your two stickers and now we are immediately going to fulfill our end of the bargain and you are going to get your whatever it is. You know, I've seen children ask for anything from a new Elsa dress to a new book to rainbow ice cream for breakfast. So obviously it depends on what you as parents are comfortable with, but you really want to try to make the decision on what the thing, the reward is going to be together. You want to be involved as a parent so you can make sure it's something that's feasible and reasonable, but you want your child to be involved in that decision-making process because your child wants to be involved in that decision-making process. Your child is at at an age where they really want some control and some decision-making power. So really try to implement that and get them involved in the reward so that they feel like they're part of it and they're very motivated to achieve it. So that's how I would start to tackle those wake-ups. We still want to be there for your child. We're not just going to go from lying with your child in order for them to fall asleep every night to putting them in their bed and walking away and expecting them to just be so motivated by this potential reward that they stay in their bed. They also really want to be near you. If your child's sort of sleep crutch at three years of age is lying in bed with a parent until they fall asleep, it's going to be a very big change for them for you to not do that anymore. So you may want to consider a strategy where you don't lie with them anymore, but you sit next to their bed For a little bit before they fall asleep. So you're still there for them, but they're understanding that things are starting to change and they are going to be expected to go to sleep more independently. And then maybe you gradually move a little further away from their bed over the course of a few nights and then a little further away until your child really has started to get the concept of falling asleep without you in their bed. And they are also motivated by these rewards that you've put in place. So that's something to consider when your a half year old won't go to sleep independently or is constantly getting out of their bed. We have a blog at thehappysleepcompany.com that goes over some strategies to think about when you're using a wake-up clock that can be very helpful. So you can check that out and just know that again, full circle conversation here with consistency. If you have the right plan in place for managing this, your little one can do it. So that's a wrap up for the week. Those toddler and preschooler sleep woes, I hope that we've touched on some of them to help you out and get you through some of these tougher stages like that toddler sleep regression, like those tough preschooler months and years. We can do it parents, but there are some strategies in place that can help us do it even better. So think about those and think about what works for your individual child. Try putting those in place and I bet you'll have success with it. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.